Hello everyone, it's Gina from the Livestock Collective here, back with another Livestock Leaders podcast. We apologise for the bit of the absence, we've been quite busy in the past few months, however we've got some wonderful guests in the pipeline and we really hope you enjoy the following episode. So today I'm fortunate enough to be speaking to Matt Watts. Matt's a livestock buyer from Oztrex and we were lucky enough to have Matt star in our new breeder collective videos being released this month and in fact I think some of them are actually going to come out tomorrow so that's exciting. You discussed health and regulation in um, exporting breeder cattle and I heard that you had a very good report from Kate that you did a really good job on those Matt. Oh g'day Gina, thanks, uh, thanks for having me on board, it's a pleasure to, uh, to come online. Uh, yeah, no, it was a uh, it was a great experience um, a couple of months ago there with the livestock collective to do some on farm uh, footage there with some dairy farmers and, and beef producers in the southwest of WA and um, yeah we were down there nice and early at the start of milking at the first farm and certainly with uh, jackets and vests on and, and pretty cold but it was uh, yeah, it was great to uh, get some footage of uh, where it all starts on the farm. No, absolutely. And now, Matt, we start each episode with the same question, and that is, what are the three words you would use to describe yourself with? Uh, yeah, I'm not generally like talking about myself too much, but um, probably uh, firstly would be, uh, sort of, I think I'm pretty easygoing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm probably one of those people that's always thinking. Um, uh, and, you know, that's you know, work-related, and, and that I sort of just can't tend to switch off too much. But, uh, can have its uh, its merits and its downfalls, but um, yeah, and probably the other one is is I'm driven to to succeed when I when I've got something on uh, on my mind or a, or a goal or something in in work related or uh, and that I yeah sort of like to uh, to make sure I get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. I know Millie always tells me off for having work related conversations on the weekends. She's like, stop talking about it because you don't ever you don't ever get a break. Then are you are you much the same? Yeah, I guess it just sort of keeps keeps rolling on, and um, you know, I guess if you enjoy what you do and and you you know you're passionate about where you work and what you do, I guess yeah, it's hard to, to switch off and and um, and that. So yeah, I sort of find um, I just sort of keep rolling with it. And I think like working in agriculture, especially, I think it sort of always surrounds you. So sometimes it's hard to just sort of leave your job at the end of business hours, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Especially working, uh, working with producers and and agents and and that and, and the likes of the people in the industry. There's a it can be. It's not really a, a nine to five or a, or an eight to six job. It uh, things can change at any time. So you you do sort of you're always always involved and always um, always there ready to uh, to go with it when it comes up. And now I gave you a little brief introduction, but would you mind discussing your role in agriculture and how you actually got into this role? Uh, yes, so my role uh, with Austrex is overseeing and facilitating the procurement of breeder cattle from south, southern areas of Western Australia um, for our export markets into predominantly China, Japan, and, and Southeast Asia. Uh, so I've been with uh, with Austrex. I started with Austrex in 2020. Um, at the start of 2020, and um, prior to that, I uh, worked in the um, agency business with with Landmark and. Uh, and had various roles there from on-road sales uh, to um, management of a, of a livestock uh, team or a livestock area within uh, within Western Australia. So it's my second run that uh, within the livestock industry. I've um, I started back in 2006 after I uh, graduated from 
Agricultural College. Um, started working with, with Landmark then in, uh, and did a traineeship in, as a livestock agent and, and moved into sales and did that for a uh, year and a half and then um, had a bit of a, a bit of a career change and and uh, returned back home to my hometown of Richtown and, uh, in 2008 and, and started an electrical apprenticeship and, uh, and completed that um, in the, on a, some mine sites around, uh, around Western Australia. What sort of made you go back to agriculture, I guess? Yeah, so always, um, so I, I sort of, yeah, had a break there for about um, six years uh, and, returned, uh, and returned back to Landmark in, uh, in 2014. Um, and I guess I always had, uh, you know, had interest in uh, in farming and and livestock and and you know, preference with with cattle and, and working in the in the cattle industry. And I guess I always sort of always held that and always had a, a passion to to get back with producers and 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 on the land. And that really interested me more than than working on mine sites in the in the red dirt of the Pilbara and and that. Uh, I certainly don't uh, regret the decision. You know, having a, having a trade. And having the uh, the skills that I uh, I gained from that will certainly benefit me or have benefited me and will do going going further. Um, but yeah, I just uh, I just always had that that sort of that hunger, if you call it, or that that part of me that wanted to get in with cattle and, and producers. I think a lot of people also can relate to sort of um, going off and trying something new at some point as well, just because I think sometimes you have that feeling like oh what if what if I don't um so no it's it's good that you got to experience something else but then also great that you're back in the agricultural industry yeah that's right and I probably um you know when I first worked uh on road sales I was, I was in an area doing an area of mine and I was I was 18 at the time so I was still a still a young bloke uh learning the ways and, and probably learning what to do and what not to do in, in life when you're young and you probably make a few decisions you you should make, and uh, in looking back on it, I probably thought I had a bit of, um, you know, I need, I needed to go back and and, and sort of uh, and pick up where I left off, and and sort of try and you know make, make a bit more of a of a name for myself. And um, so yeah, that probably was a big part of of going back to to do that. Yeah. And now sort of just heading back to your job that you currently have, you, I guess, source a lot of breeder cattle. And why is the live export so um, important to the actual dairy industry? Yeah, so, the, look, you know, my view is the live export um, industry is, is essential to, to the um, to cattle and sheep industries together and, and, you know, benefits producers, whether they're directly or indirectly supplying those markets. And, and certainly, in particular, the dairy industry, which is predominantly where we procure a lot of our our breeder cattle from for the for these markets. You know, the, the dairy industry is, is is very different to the to the cattle industry and the sheep industry. Um, it's, it's certainly, like I feel like the dairy producers have, have sort of been dealt a bit of a hard card on on their uh, on their milk prices. You know, stagnant milk prices for a number of years now. Um, operating costs increasing around them from you know diesel, fertilizer, seed. And, and obviously labour shortage, which which other industries are obviously uh, you know are feeling that as well. But the the dairy producers, um, you know, I believe the live export industry has certainly enabled them to have a bit more consistency in, in selling a product and a, and a product at a at a higher value. And you know they've been able to to, to reinvest um, from that from benefiting from the live export breeder markets in into their um, their genetics of their herds, which you know has a flow-on effect to significantly um, 
improve their their productivity, um, the longevity of their lactating cows, and and obviously you know better fertility and improvements in in health and welfare. So it, it plays a major role in the, within the dairy industry and its producers. Yeah, and I guess a lot of people or a lot of general community um, would. Uh, I guess be aware of live export of sheep and cattle for consumption purposes but I don't think they see that there's such a major demand for it in actual breeder cattle and things like that as well. Yeah that's correct it, um, it's certainly people that um, when you engage with with um, even producers and people outside the industry and you sort of talk to them on the number of, of breeder cattle that we actually do export uh, you know people are quite sh um, shocked by the, the number and you know, they think they sort of realise that, that we are an exporting nation. You know, we certainly cannot produce what we consume. Um, and with, you know, within the, um, you know, and it's it's moved so far within the, the genetics and the breeding in dairies. You know, a lot more of them are, are using the um, the sex semen to through AI, artificial insemination, to breed heifers, which are, which benefits, you know, their production systems as well because they've, they've got more surplus heifers of higher genetic value. And then, they've, and they've in turn, have got um, higher surplus heifers again of, of strong genetics to to be able to export into these high value markets. So, it's um, yeah, it's certainly a, a a market that has given a lot of options to a lot of dairy farmers, and, and I would have thought has certainly um, and helped a lot of dairy farmers. Uh, growing their uh, within their business yeah and i think looking at the dairy industry like i know just from some of my university studies when you look at agriculture and how they're sort of um sort of heading towards more efficient operations the dairy industry has really taken that on board and a lot of their practices now are so efficient just to try and really reduce the cost of actually producing what we consume yeah definitely there are um dairy producers are, are a great model you know in terms of of the regenerative agriculture that's the you know the flavor of the month that we're talking about at the moment and the space that we do need to be to be going down and, and improving on and, and getting on board with and dairy farmers have been doing this for you know for 50 60 years with the the rotation of cattle through through pastures the re regenerating um renovating of these pastures the the application of, of the uh, the fertilizers whether you know synthetic based or or more um, natural based, they uh, certainly um, certainly are uh, you know from the, the producers that we uh, that we go around and, and visit and, and procure cattle from. Uh, it is great to see what uh, what they're doing to put back into the land and and what they produce off it. Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on Australian producers having quite a big market in China for sort of producing the breeder cattle for. Um, why are these markets acquiring Australian breeder cattle compared to alternatives? Uh, yeah, again, it, it goes back onto um, the, the quality of, of the product, you know, the, the high genetic base that we have within our, all the genetic inputs uh, and the breeding in, within our, the cattle that we do export. Um, you know, that's and certainly the performance, obviously the, the cattle, the cattle performing as well. That's it's obviously why it's in a consistent market. Um, and, you know, and the other part of that as well is, you know, Australian cattle are highly sought after um, because of because of our health and welfare within our cattle and how they're produced. Um, and you know, we we obviously historically run on the the clean and green uh, and logo, and you know, the biosecurity systems that. That we have in place, whether that's you know producers through to, to industry, has enabled us to provide a product that is 
is free from major disease and, and, and produced in sustainable environments. So I think they're the, the major factors to why the Australian breeder cattle especially are uh, of preference to these um, to these international markets. I think a lot of people just been um, up here at Live Exchange, a lot of people are really proud of the um, welfare standards that we're sort of creating and ensuring within the within the system. So it's really nice to see that sort of universally appreciated. Yeah, definitely. And and especially from, you know, it's a big job and, and um, you know, from a dairy farmer or, or a beef, beef farmer, you know, that these, these cattle that they're raising from, from day one all the way through, you know, that they, a lot of them are, are conscious of, of how those cattle are raised and, you know, they certainly do, they do hold a, not only hold a value uh, to them, but they certainly, um, but, you know, they certainly care for those cattle, um, not just as a, as a number. So, and we see that, we see that through, and I think the improvement on that, on on from the from the farm on farm and um, in, on an animal welfare front, has you know in the time I've been in the industry has significantly grown, which is which is great to see because that's where it starts is uh, is on farm with the producer. Yep, and I guess you're really lucky to see so many parts of the supply chain with your role, which takes me into my next question. And what does a typical day for you look like? Yeah, so um, I'm pretty fortunate to um, to be able to, to see uh, the supply chain uh, uh, through from from producer through to um, you know when, when that's we go on farm uh, and engage with the producer and, uh, and you know whether it's whether it's through an agent from an agency firm and uh, and you know talk to them about the requirement the cattle that we are, we're looking to procure you know through breed and, and type and and what the specifications are and 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 that for that market and uh you know and it's all hands-on we do the uh, do the hands-on selecting and, and protocoling of those cattle uh, and we also follow them through um to to, to pre-export quarantine as well where those especially for the uh, the china market those cattle are um a quarantine for uh, a minimum of 30 days and so they come in and we we weigh them and, and draft them up into their to their groups so the cattle are you know mingling amongst cattle of, of equal uh, equal equal weight and, and size you know they're, they're given various health treatments to, to ensure that for those those 30 days that those cattle are um, of, of full health and, uh, and and are prepared for uh, the next part of the journey with the with the shipping process and you know the cattle it's it's very rewarding to see the cattle come in you know go through that process and then you know they're ad lib fed quality hay silage grain and it's it's very rewarding from from my point of view, and I'm sure a lot of people that work with us in, in that process would agree. When we see those cattle after the 30 days, the, the improvement is significant on, on them and, and just to, and see how they come along in that period of time. Yes, yeah, certainly uh certainly is a is a very is a part of the job I really enjoy. Um so yeah, it's back to your question, is it's probably the days sort of vary, like you know, we'll be the period of time we'll be on farm selecting with, with producers. Um, of the cattle, and then you know, anywhere from from loading trucks, drafting cattle, weighing cattle, through to or just paddock inspections, or or going around and having meetings with 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 agents or producers about your upcoming uh, shipments to 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 uh, make sure you can source those cattle that are that are required. So yeah, there's a number of uh, there's a lot of variance uh, within the job, which is great. 
Yeah, and just so much communication as well. You're just constantly communicating with just all parts of the supply chain, which is, I guess, sometimes tricky because you have to change your communication style, especially if you're looking at communicating with government, I guess, versus the actual producer. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm probably, um, you know, on my part of it, I don't, uh, with, the, with the government side of things, we have um, operational staff that, that oversee the uh, all the logistics of, of the shipping and, and the, the back end of the business, and I certainly take my hat off to them. It's uh, yeah, there's a, a power of work there that they do, and and then and do within the industry. Obviously, you know the, the live export industry is a, it's very regulated and um, audited industry, which which it needs to be. And you know the, the staff that we have uh, doing that work in the background is, is significant. So, but you know to the communication side of things, yeah, look, there's you know, there's always communication between whether it's with the producer or whether it's with the truck driver or it's or it's with your operational staff and you know, we've had a change of plans here and we and you know, we need to do this now or this and you know, it's fast moving, it certainly is. So things can change at any time and you need to be able to uh, adapt to that and, and make sure that um, you know the wheels keep turning. And looking at how you actually transport the animals to destination countries, I know that like quite a bit of breeder cattle is also sent by air freight, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Um, we uh, we haven't done a, a lot of air air freight uh, out of WA for, for a period of time uh, for, for a couple of reasons. You know, the Australian cattle are, are very dear at the moment, so so some of those markets is making it a bit harder to to, to put. Um, to put cattle into, um, we do some air freight on the on the east coast within the within the business with on sheep and goats. Um, but in, yeah, in terms of the the cattle side of things, we haven't done a lot of that out of WA. But in the past, we've done some dairy heifers to Japan, uh, and that that's sort of small loads of, of sort of two fifty to three hundred head. Yeah, yeah, and especially looking at like goats in air freight because I didn't I just up until this year I didn't realize that goats were just solely transported by air freight and then I think I also saw some stuff about some dairy cattle being also transported by air so it's really interesting yeah it's, it is it's definitely I've, I've seen it uh, to take place with the loading and it's um yeah it, it, it's it shows you that how far we've come uh with as a um within the uh within the supply chain in, in, in getting those those uh, those livestock there in a in a uh, in a safe and healthy way, and uh, obviously the air freight is uh, is a is a voyage of, of quicker by sea, but it's obviously of smaller numbers. But yeah, it's a um it's a great way of go, going forward if it uh, all lines up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess you've taken time out of your day to have this call with me. But on average, how many phone calls do you think you make a day? Uh, yeah, look, it um, there is a lot of a lot of phone calls. It's uh, probably um, yeah, thirty to, to forty would, would be the sort of, the sort of number. It certainly peaked. I remember one day I uh, I sat down and counted there was a hundred for one day. And um, but yeah, look, probably that's that's probably a bit of a peak, and it and it, and it fluctuated a bit depending on, on the time of the year and what's happening. But there was a bit of a lot of back and forth, and I probably find um, it's easier to. Uh, to email or, or text you just to make a phone call and, and get it done. So, but uh, yeah, there's a few phone calls in there. Yeah, Telstra would absolutely be loving you, Matt. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably what what adds a few more phone calls is the um, the phone reception in, in country WA isn't that great. So a lot of the time you drop out 
of range or you miss someone, so you're chasing those, those phone calls up. So there's probably a fair percentage of those 30 or 40 phone calls that are the same people. Yeah, absolutely. Probably straight to message banking. You just go, yep, no reception at the moment. <laughs> That's right. So what's something you would want people to know about your job? I guess that sort of just comes to mind. Uh, look, yeah, within, I think about the, the industry is that um, a lot of people don't, probably don't realise how, you know, transparent and open that, that the industry is. And, you know, if they, I guess if they, um, or that, to ask a few questions, then that they'll get the answers that, um, that they that they they're looking for, and uh, you know, if, if people are happy to have those those sort of level-headed conversations, then I'm sure there's well, there is people within the industry that are that are happy to engage with them on on that front. Um, you know, I think people need to, probably need to realise that how ordered and regulated the industry industry is. Um, and there's so many boxes that that need to be ticked in the process of procuring the, the cattle on farm all the way through delivering to these international markets. You know, there's like I mentioned before, there's a power of work, and you know, yes, it's it's fickle and, and unpredictable at times, um, and fast moving, uh, with obviously time constraints and, and obviously the logistics surrounding the, the shipping of live animals are very complex. But throughout that process, animal welfare is, is still the number one priority for for all stakeholders and all and all um, people involved throughout the supply chain and. And you know, like I mentioned before, we think it starts on farm, and, and you know, credit um, to the producers who are certainly um, they're producing these animals and and starting the animal welfare process, which which is carried on through um, through our, our our roles and then through everyone's roles in the uh, in the industry um, through getting those cattle to the end market. Yep. And what do you see sort of as the trajectory moving forward from that? Like, especially I think there's like a lot of push at the moment with these like live export markets. Where do you see the future of being able to export these breeder cattle? Do you think it'll still be around just because it's so necessary for those other countries? Yeah, I do. I, I believe, you know, we, like I mentioned before, we're, we're an exporting nation uh, within, within our, with what we produce. And that, that's the same with a lot of commodities on, you know, with, with grain, not and not only with livestock. And and I think the markets we're developing and the, and the work that we're doing within these markets and the people that we have within these markets, uh, the, the technology, the um, through through all of this, everything's everything's improving. And then how we do it, and everyone, you know, the, the great thing is that everyone that works in the industry is, is striving to to improve and and to you know. To, to keep going one better to keep keep this 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 industry industry going and you know we're feeding we're feeding the world whether that's on on delivering breeder cattle with dairy dairy cattle that go into these production milking systems that then flow through and feeds those the people of that country and or the the cattle out of northern australia which which feed um, indonesia and southeast east asia you know we, we we're playing our part in in uh, in the in the world um food chain so i i think it's a it's a it's a great thing and um i think if we all keep working down the path that we are it'll uh it'll have longevity to it yeah and, and i think as um the industry sort of opens up and becomes more transparent public is actually getting to see that where it's a great industry um we're upholding animal welfare and i guess there's sort of nothing to really be ashamed of so that's a really nice thing as well yeah that's right and i think it's great uh what the uh, what you guys, the livestock collective, have done. I've certainly um, 
learnt a bit from jumping on the website um, and and having a look around and and uh, and listening to a few few more podcasts and watching a few more videos and you know it's been great that you know I'm, I'm within the industry and I'm still learning so it's great that it's open to people that that aren't directly involved in the industry and that can you know can take the time to have a look to see what we're the things that we are doing uh, as a nation. Yeah, and we'll have to. We we just started doing our vessel tours again, so we'll have to get you on one of the um, vessel tours as well, Matt, to go around with some other producers and things like that to have a little look. Have you been on a live export vessel actually? Yeah, I have uh, when we've uh, been loading out of uh, out of Fremantle. So I haven't uh, done a voyage at sea, but I've uh, I've been on uh, when we yeah been loading loading broody cattle out of Fremantle various times. Yeah, um, it's always interesting having a look at their little. I think like people are quite shocked when you tell them that they have really like great facilities, even for staff on there. Like I think they had a basketball hoop yeah, on, that's, the, on oh, the ship we yeah. went on. On the top deck, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're just absolutely loving it. What do you think your favourite part about your job is? Um, I I just be be being out there. Uh, you know, whether it's in, in the paddock or in the yards, and 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 I, tr- I do enjoy travelling around and seeing how, how and engaging with producers and, and and seeing how they're doing things and, and who's doing it differently and and learning learning new 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 practices um, that that these producers are doing, whether it's um, whether it's within raising how they raise the cattle or, or or what they're doing with their pastures and or, or in, you know the infrastructure's come a long way. We're seeing a lot more. Um, a lot more shedded uh, dairies and that now, and um, and and feed yards, and so yeah, and sort of seeing that, that that sort of process, and just and just learning, learning a bit more from from every producer that you that you meet. So yeah, I just uh, that's that's probably the best part of it is just getting being out there and, and involved, and you know it's certainly rewarding when um, when uh, when the producer appreciates you know what you've done for them, uh, in, in whether it's the way you um, executed the deal, or the, what you know, what you did to their cattle, or, or how you did it, and and you know, delivered on time—all those things. It's uh, yeah, the rewarding part is when you when you get appreciation from the from the producer. Yeah, and you'd absolutely forge some like really great um, relationships with people within the industry as well, which is always really nice. I think agriculture is so great that it's such um, a united industry, and that like everyone's always sort of coming together. Yeah, definitely, and you know, um, well, I started, you know, in 2006, and a lot of those people that were in the industry in 2006 are still in the industry now, and and yeah, you meet a lot of people, and, and you know, it's um, the old saying, which is which is 100% true. It's uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know, and, and that's the opportunities that that can lead to from people that you meet, and and I and it's always I'm a big one for first impressions last, and, and you know, when you engage with those those people you meet along the way. Um, it's certainly, uh, yeah, and that's how you learn. You know, that's how I, you know, learns along the way is, is is the information that you um that you you get from other people. So, yeah, and I absolutely love that saying as well. Um, I think I hear it so much, and it couldn't be more true. It, it's always about sort of the connections that you make with people that really get you the best opportunities and that sort of brings me to then my next question is what advice would you give to people that are sort of developing those networking skills um potentially like young professionals coming through the industry yeah it probably um 
you know, it's confidence is, and I'm certainly not one to say that I'm a, I'm a confident person. I guess I, you become more confident once you, you've been around more people and, and you in, you feel comfortable with, with having those conversations with them. But that only comes from starting those conversations and engaging with those people and, and asking those questions. And, you know, you know, my sort of advice would be to ask open-ended questions that the, that the conversation keeps going and, and, and learn learn from them. And, and once you sort of find that level ground or that common ground, that's where you, you sort of get your confidence and you're comfortable to have those discussions with people and, and you, you'd be surprised where it can progress from there. Um, you know, small things like follow up on the email, the phone call that you said you would make to them or you'd get back to them. You know, that means a lot to a lot of a lot of producers and that when you to do something you say you're gonna do. Um and I'll just yeah, interact with as many people as you can in the industry that that you're in because you'd be surprised what you can learn from from others and, and especially the the, the the people that have been in the industry for, for a number of years, you know, certainly that um producers and, and the, the cattle industry is uh, the age is at the other end of the scale. So there's a there's a lot of knowledge out there to, to capture. Um, and you know, probably my last um, last advice would be just remember that manners are free. So um, first impressions last, and, and manners are free. Yeah, no, that's that's really good advice. Um, I know sometimes you get caught up in the moment, don't you? And then you're like, oh, probably could have <laughs> probably could have been um, a little bit more polite in that instance. So I think that's definitely some great advice to give. Yeah, that's that's right, and certainly uh, you know that can happen, and we and you know I'm, I'm not one to admit that I always get back to people on on time, but you know I just uh, get back to them when you can, and uh, and and sort of um, and restart that, uh, that those discussions that you had, and, and, and soon it uh, it'll develop from there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Matt, you're very busy, but what do you get up to in your free time? Uh, yeah. Well, Free time, well, obviously mentioned before that we tend to, to just keep on that and sort of working. But I do, um, you know, I'm not one to sit on the couch and, and, and watch movies. I like to uh, to be doing things. So probably uh, in, my, in my time when I'm when I'm not working, um, I like to be on the on the farm, uh, on the family farm, and uh, we run a few cattle ourselves. So I uh, yeah certainly enjoy enjoy doing those kind of things, and um, I probably yeah sitting back and. and if I do have a bit of quiet time, I'll, I'll probably tend to find myself uh, looking at Options Plus for the up upcoming cattle sales and all results of previous cattle sales. But uh, yeah, other other than that, um, I do uh, I do get away from the the cattle side of things uh, as well. I'm the uh, the president of our local football club, so that that certainly keeps me keeps me ticking along. And um, and most importantly, yeah, spending time with with my family as well. So that's. Uh, that's pretty much um, building the uh, the gaps when I'm not working. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd. I think there wouldn't be many gaps anyway. <laughs> From the sound of it, you always seems to be often doing things. So, which is, I guess, great because it just shows that you have such a um, incredible passion for the industry. Yeah, that's right. I just, you know, if you enjoy doing what you're doing, then uh, and, and you, you know, and you um, you have a passion for it, then then you're normally going to. You should normally going to be able to uh, be able to do it do it well and um, and keep on uh, you know striving to to succeed or or, or or gain a bit more knowledge elsewhere or um, you know grow your network elsewhere. So yeah, I just um, the cattle industry and, and working with cattle is uh, is what I enjoy. So that's what I uh, tend to um, 
make a lot of my time doing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for um, chatting with me today, Matt, and actually taking time out of your day. Um, we really appreciate it. And I think as a collective, we're so excited to see the videos that you feature in come out. So everyone will have to keep a bit of an eye out for those ones. Yeah, no worries at all. Thank you. Uh, thanks very much for having me on.